Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for March 11th. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. On this week's edition, we hear from a cattle rancher who testified at the state capitol in favor of a new state meat inspection program. We learn about a major grant to improve Arkansas State University's meats lab, and we get to know a produce-growing family in Bradley County. We also get our weekly update from the state legislature with Arkansas Farm Bureau's Jeff Pitchford. First, Greg Patterson checks in with cattle rancher Dustin Cowell of Newton County, who testified at the Arkansas State Legislature this week in favor of the state meat inspection bill. He tells us why passing the bill is important to beef producers and consumers statewide. This is Greg Patterson with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and on this edition of Arkansas AgCast, our guest is Dustin Cowell. And Dustin is a cattle rancher up in Newton County, near Deer, and he runs Cowbell Ranch. And Dustin, welcome. Ah, good to good to be back home with you. Uh, we'll just say uh, Cowbell Ranch is actually. I'm I am originally from Deer, but uh, we're actually down here in Mount Judy now. Uh, down here on the creek is where we're where we're really located. But uh, but really really kind of all over Newton County. But uh, glad to glad to be back with you. Well, it's good to have you back again. We've been following uh, some of what you're doing as you've done some changeovers on the ranch once COVID settled in and you're marketing your beef. And uh, you recently uh, got to spend some time uh, testifying uh, down in Little Rock in front of the state state legislature. And uh, was that your first time doing that? Yep, that was uh, that was the first time I'd, I'd ever had the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, it was a it was a really good experience. I hadn't really had had a lot of insight into how those how those committees kind of worked and and uh, what kind of went on in those. So it was a good it was an eye opening experience, but but I think a good one. Uh, I, I do appreciate uh, do appreciate uh, Senator Brianne Davis. She was the the chairwoman of, of the committee that I got to speak in and and uh, really just appreciate the opportunity to, to get down there and, and let them know what what's going on on our ranch and and I think similar ranches throughout the state so uh, it was my first time but I, I think it was a it went well and and would would welcome the opportunity again uh, any anything we can we can do to uh, to get in front of those people and let them know what's going on is is I think a, an opportunity that's really too good to pass up. Now, Dustin, you were you were down here to testify about the uh, state meat inspection uh, bill, and and give us give our listeners a little background on what's going on with that and why that's important. Yeah, sure. Um, really, what it is 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 Arkansas used to have a a state meat inspection program, and it kind of kind of fell by the wayside and and kind of got debunked there, and and we're really just pushing to to get that really reinstituted really kind of starting from scratch i guess since we let it let it kind of fall by the wayside but but what would do would allow our our department of ag uh, to be able to inspect some of our some of our facilities throughout the state uh, that would meet their meet their specifications and it would allow them to to be able to inspect those those processing facilities where if they if if they passed the state inspection that we could have our have animals processed at those facilities and then be able to sell that 
that meat to our to our consumers as long as it's in the state. Um, you know, it's kind of it, it would really take a lot of the pressure off of our. You know, we only have three USDA inspected facilities in our state, right. and and they're just so backed up right now that uh, that we just can't can't get anything processed uh, in a timely so, manner. So, so so talk about that a little bit because let's say you have um, an animal that's ready to be processed, and how far out in advance are are the booking dates to get an animal processed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as as far as in Arkansas, we just we've had a few processed uh, in the state, but honestly, we have had most of our processed uh, across state lines in Missouri um, because we can't get them processed in a timely manner in Arkansas. Uh, we have appointments booked all the way through 2022. Anything, anything oh, we're really? booked. Anything, any new appointments we have now, we're we're out into 2023. Um, so honestly, if you've got something ready to process right now, you can't get it done. It's going to be too old. It's going to be too big before you can get it processed. Um, you know, we're having the the dates we have booked right now are going to be for animals that won't be born for another several months. Uh, we uh, we're just having to having to go that far out, and like I said, those even into 2023 are at the facility we use in Missouri. Everything in Arkansas is really even further out than that, so a lot of them aren't even booking appointments anymore. They're just trying to get caught up before they're even taking even taking more more appointments. Um, and and you know that's that kind of is reflective of Missouri has a state inspection program along with most of our surrounding states um and you know that that's taken a little bit off of their usda facilities to where you know i've talked to to that facility we use in kabul missouri and and they're doing a lot of stuff out of arkansas because they can get to it quicker um because their their state inspected facilities are are handling a lot of their their in-state stuff so um we're having to go it's really four hours for us. I've got to leave about four o'clock in the morning uh, to get up there by eight o'clock. Uh, we're going four hours one way to be able to get stuff processed a little bit quicker, but still, even then, it's it's two years out. Wow. So, so what we've got here is a massive glut in a backup because you can't get to a you know, with with only the three USDA uh, in, inspected meat processors here in Arkansas, it makes it difficult for you to get an animal process butcher, uh, and it, and it limits what you can do with that animal as well. So the idea is for more uh, processing plants so that these animals can get butchered and you can get them out to consumers. Exactly, and that's uh, that was the main point of my my testimony yesterday. Was listen, we have we have the consumer demand on this side that is that is large. I mean, we we can't we can't get enough processed right now to meet the demand, and we can produce the number of animals that we need. But there's a bottleneck in the middle that we can't can't connect the two. We can produce them, and the consumer wants them, but there's that bottleneck in the middle that we can't get them processed. And, 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 I mean, even the processors want to process them, but 
we don't have the the rules and the regulations for that state inspection to for them to be able to process them. Uh, so that's that's really the bottleneck. No, we've uh, we've even got a few uh, other markets that we we have made contact with. Uh, one of which is being area schools. We have we have several of our area school districts right. that, that want want meat and have placed orders, but you know we we don't have it. We can't fill that because not because we don't have animals, but because we can't can't get them processed in a timely manner. So it's it's pretty interesting because um, with this push that's that's built over the last several years for you know local foods from local farmers on local tables and that kind of thing. This all fits into that, and and you'd love to be able to, you know, grow beef here in Arkansas and and see it served in in schools here in Arkansas, restaurants Mm -hmm. as well. And this state meat inspection bill, if passed, will uh, reduce the bottlenecks and allow you to have a broader market and the ability to do that. Yes, exactly. And that's, you know, we talked about that yesterday as well. It's, you know, we we have the ability here in Arkansas to produce, you know, we're one of the top states in the nation as far as as far as uh cow calf goes and and beef right. goes. And you know, we're we're right now through the, you know, your typical marketing, we're we're raising those calves, shipping them out west somewhere to get fed, uh being processed out there and then bringing them back to our state. You know, we have the ability to to produce beef and and like you said people want it we we've seen that consumer demand out there uh you know we have talked to a few restaurant local restaurants just you know our local individual consumers as well as schools like you know we we want the ability and our consumers want beef that's born raised and processed here in arkansas and and you know we have the ability right now to <laughs> for them to be born and raised we just we're working on that process an element of that um uh, and that's uh that's that's something we're really pushing for. So so how would you sum up the experience of of coming in and testifying uh in in front of a committee and and did you feel like uh what you had to say resonated with those who were listening to you? Oh, yes. Yeah, I like I said earlier, it was uh I think it was a great experience, eye-opening experience for me just kind of how those committees work, but uh yeah, I think it was I think it was well received. I think uh you know, most of most of the members of those committee had had kind of heard uh, what we had been going through. You know, our long wait times, uh, things like that. But just to, I think, just being able to get there and give them a firsthand account of of you know what we're what we're having to do on our ranch just to get just to get some product out there. You know, we're having to having to wait so long, drive four hours across state lines, and that was something I really wanted to get across to them is, listen, we're having to spend – we're we're, we're going to spend this money. We would rather, you know, keep it here in our state, but right now we're having, exactly. to, we're having to spend that money in, in Missouri, and that's, uh, you know, going to, going to Missouri residents that's paying taxes in Missouri. That's tax revenue we're not getting, and, uh, you know, it's just – and we're just one we're just one operation. There's a lot of people that are having to do the same thing. So uh I think that was hopefully eye opening for them that they kinda kinda realized, you know, uh it's an investment uh on our on our state's part, you know, we're gonna have to, to fund new positions, 
uh, trucks for the inspectors, labs to, to, you know, test this beef. But, but, you know, we really need this thing fully funded because, uh, you know, it's going to have to go to USDA. They're going to have to approve our state inspection plan. You know, this isn't a way to, to get away, get around food safety in any way. Uh, USDA is going to, going to approve our state plan, but, you know, we want, we want the full $750,000 funded, funded now so that when we get USDA's okay that, you know, those inspectors can be on the ground the next day uh, inspecting these facilities where we can, where we can get these animals processed and, and get them to the families, get them to the schools, get them to the restaurants that want them. Well, you know, it's interesting too, and you make a good point there. The, the food safety aspect of the USDA inspection that we all kind of take for granted. We just go to the grocery store or wherever we buy our meat, go home, cook it, and eat it. And and, and the United States has such a wonderful food safety record and and system that still will be maintained, and even more so with the state meat inspection bill if it passes as well. Exactly, and and you know that's something we've we've reiterated time and time again. Is you know we're not trying to get around. USDA, uh, you know, standards or anything like that, you know, they're still going to have to sign off on our state plan. Uh, the, the meat, the food is still going to be inspected. Um, it's just a, it's just a way to get some more of these facilities, uh, the ability to be able to process them where, where we can, we can sell our individual cuts and, and ground beef and things like that directly, directly to our consumers. So in in the if it's unfortunate that this bill does not pass, how does that adversely affect you and those of your fellow um, beef producers in the state? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's uh you know that's something that we've we've talked about really. You know, if this doesn't pass, it's it's honestly just going to be more of what we're already dealing with. Um, you know, it's going to be 2023 before we can get anything, anything new processed. It's going to be, you know, we're going to continue to have empty freezers. You know, right now we are, we've got orders, orders out there. Uh, we've got two at our processor right now that I'm hopefully going to be able to pick up next week that, uh, you know, we've already got them sold pretty much because, because we're having to play from behind, um, Right. You know, really, really, it's just going to be more of the same empty freezers, and it's it's limiting us. And if it doesn't pass, it, it, it's going to limit us on how much we can expand. You know, like I said, we have consumers out there, we have restaurants, we have these schools that that want this product, but right now we we can't get it to them. Uh, right. And, and and that's you know, if this doesn't go through, that that's to me that's the downside of it is. Uh, it limits our expansion. It limits Arkansas consumers' uh, access. Arkansas raised beef is is what it is what it boils down to. Is Arkansas consumers want Arkansas beef, but they're they're not going to be able to get it. And it and it limits revenue staying in Arkansas. Exactly, and and that's you know I've talked to a lot of people, and it's like you know if if this is projected in you know. Uh, conservatively in the 20 million somewhere around in their tax revenue range, you know, for an investment of 750,000, 
you know, if you give me you give me an opportunity <laughs> to make a return like that, I'm I'm borrowing that money wherever I can get it. You're uh, ready to go right now. Sorry. I'm ready to go. And and that's like I said, you know, just just from my you know, from what we've had to spend across state lines. Uh, you know, we're just one small operation, and that's you know that's happening on all of our borders. Because, like I said, most of sure. most of our surrounding states have this inspection, have state inspection programs to where, you know, a lot of their USDA facilities are processing Arkansas beef, um, and and that money is is going across is growing across all those borders, and it's not staying not staying in our state. Final question for you. Uh, why is it important for young farmers and ranchers like yourself to get involved in the policy development process? Yeah, that's a that's a great question and, and I'll be honest with you, you know, before I really got involved with Farm Bureau and our and our YF and R uh committee, you know, I was I was kind of one of those people that just, you know, I wanted to stay within my fence rows and, and take care of my business and just kinda of, kinda of stay out of that. But you know, we had a lot of stuff up here in Newton County that that really brought to my eyes. Um, the days where we can do that are gone. You know, we where we right. stay inside our fence rows, where we can mind our business and 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 produce produce food and fiber for for our state and our country. Those those days are gone. You know, we we have if we want to continue to be able to live where we want to live uh, and farm. You know, we're we're going to have to fight for that. It, it's not something that we can just sit back and 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 let other people take take care of that for us um you know there's there's been it's really reflective of the the age of your farmers in arkansas and ranchers you know it's sure. it's an aging it's an aging population and in my opinion uh you know those guys have fought this fight for a long time they've pulled they've pulled more of their fair share of the weight for for years and years and years and you know it's time it's time that the you know, my generation or younger generation, it's, you know, we're going to have to take that baton from them and we're going to have to, we're going to have to carry on what, what they've been doing for us for years. And, um, you know, it's just, like I said, I was one of those people that wanted to sit back and, and let somebody else take, yeah, care, let of somebody it, else but, take care of it. But, uh, you know, it's, we're going to have to do it. It's, and you know, those people in Iraq, they, you know, they, We've we've got to tell them what's going on because they may not know. I mean, they may not sure, know. And, sure, sure. There's and not if a they whole don't, lot of farmers. Exactly, and if they don't know, you know, it's it's our own fault. We, we've got to tell them what's going on and what we need and what we want, and um, and and it's time for our generation to do that. Well, Dustin Cowell has been our guest today. He's up at Cowbell Ranch in Newton County near Mount Judy. He's also chairman of the Young Farmers and Ranchers Committee for Arkansas Farm Bureau and recently testified in front of the Arkansas State Legislature in favor of the state meat inspection bill. Dustin, thank you so much for being our guest today. And if folks want to buy meat from Cowbell Ranch, how do they do that? Hey, yeah, uh, best best way to get in touch with us, kind of follow what we're doing in our story is, is look us up, uh, Cowbell Ranch on Facebook. Um, that's the way we, we market a lot of our beef, uh, send us a message there and, and, uh, you can get, get a lot of information right off of there. What, what we've got going on, some, some pictures of our cattle and, uh, and, and kind of our family here, what we're, what we're trying to do. And, and that's probably, that's the best way to get a hold of us is get on that Facebook page. 
Well, the best to you and your family, and thank you so much for being on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. All right. I really appreciate it, Greg. Steel Hamilton and his father, Donald, are the fourth and fifth generations of Hamilton Family Produce Farm in Bradley County. They grow tomatoes and produce south of Hermitage and were the 2019 Bradley County Farm Family of the Year. Ken Moore visited their farm this week and learned about their family history and agriculture and how they've been dealing with the impact of the record snowstorm three weeks ago. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Ken Moore, and today I am visiting with Steel Hamilton, and I'm at Hamilton Farms down here. They have a produce operation, a family produce and tomato farm down here outside of Hermitage, Arkansas, in Bradley County. We're right in the heart of tomato-growing country, the tomato capital of Arkansas. Steel, thanks for visiting with us today. Glad to visit. Enjoy it. Appreciate you having me down today, Steele, to let you share your story with us. It's always love to get out on the farms, and we're right here on the cusp of planting season, uh, you're laying plastic with your father right now. Again, a new growing season is underway. Uh, and thankfully, finally, after the month of February was a little bit of a challenge, hopefully March will be a good season to get your tomatoes and produce in the ground. But let's back up just a few weeks. Uh, talk about uh, how much snow was on this ground down here just a few weeks ago where we're sitting today. Uh, that's around 15 inches of snow. And that's something I've never seen here in my lifetime. We... Uh, after it all kept coming, I drove down here and looked at the fields, and it's just deep snow, and, and you can't see any ground. That is a, it's a, it's a pretty sight, but it's a discouraging uh, factor in your mind when you're thinking of, hey, I need to be uh, stirring dirt and getting plastic labor. I can get, get things in the ground in the future. Now, when the snow melted, 15 inches of snow, how, I mean, it, it didn't just run off like a flash flood. No, sir. Uh, snow is is worse than a than a slow rain because it it slowly more slow than a slow rain it's saturating and saturating and saturating your soil and it's just going to take a lot longer for that to dry out because it's been there for so long just sitting just like if you were to you know get a rag and dip it in water or if you just throw the rag in the water the the one that you throw in there and let it sit it's going to hold a whole lot more water than just dipping it in and, that, and that's what goes on here. It just creates more challenge and and delay when you're trying to flat break the ground and get fresh dirt up and uh, you know get it get it all disted up where you can you can lay your plastic. So it it definitely was was a discouraging thing to sit and think about. No question. But thankfully, over the last week to ten days, the weather has changed a little bit, and we're sitting down here on a bright sunny day. And thankfully, the wind's blowing and drying it out. Yes, sir. That's a, when you, this time of year, that's what you want to see is wind and, and sunshine. And, and when you're driving that tractor, see dust behind you. That's a good feeling. And, and that's, that's, a, that's what we've been doing is getting Dad started disking at 6 this morning to get one field that's a little uh, wetter than the other, getting that ground stirred, letting it air out while we lay plastic in the field joining it. Uh, let's back up just a little bit, and uh, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, share your family story. Uh, you are a fifth-generation produce and tomato grower uh, down here in Bradley County. You've got quite a family heritage and legacy. Well, it's uh, counting my son, uh, David Slade. It's a sixth-generation tomato farm. Uh, my dad was the uh, we They have always row cropped and, and farmed vegetables as well. My dad was the last row cropper in this county. 
rain isn't reliable didn't have the irrigation for that it's just a lot of work for many years you you know what's coming but you know what the reward hopefully will be as long as uh the weather permits and nothing catastrophe happens you know back then years and years ago uh when my great grandparents lived here they uh they're my that would be my grandpa's mother if i remember right lived here with them and you know everybody back then did a lot of sharecropping and and things of that nature because you know there wasn't that many people and you didn't have any money there wasn't you know you could you weren't an option to have a lot of labor to help and uh so that was part of that and then fast forward a little bit when it was just my great-grandparents that, that uh, were here who built the house there in the barn and my great-grandfather passed away at a younger age and it was just my my great-grandmother and they actually had a crop in the field right then of tomatoes and there she was by herself down here in Morrison, Arkansas 10 minutes from any form of a town with gas or anything and uh, that's that's where you have wonderful people in a community that steps up. And there was uh, a local right down the road that farmed some of his own too, Mr. Johnson. And he brought his family and his crew, and they picked and got the crop gathered from my great grandmother to help. And didn't out, didn't have to pay him a dime. Did it to to help out. And I'm still uh, close with that family today. And they uh, actually, uh, one of the young men that helped me is one of the Johnsons, and he's an outstanding young man. I consider him my, part of my family, and I just believe in continuing that kind of uh, tradition. They've helped us. We've helped them. We just, we've kept it going. That's what farmers do, farm families. You help each other out uh, to keep the farms going. Yeah, you help them, they'll help you, and you get the crop in the bin. We have a number of operations and family farms just like yours down here. This part of the state is is just where people will come from all over to buy your tomatoes and produce. Yeah, they they've uh, <clears throat> either they've came theirself many times over the years, or maybe they had come during the summer with their grandparents or an uncle. And you know, they they'll be like last year with with the COVID nineteen hitting. You know, people weren't getting out. But some of those people would make a drive further than they normally would to come here because they're like, you know, I remember that farm where them two crazy people, them Hamiltons are, and they had really good produce. And I remember going there with my grandma or my uncle, and I'm going to go get me some fresh food. I remember it being so good, you know, and and they'll come here and they'd share them stories with us. And that usually my that's where I have to find my dad is he's talking to somebody somewhere either telling a story or telling a story because he's going to do all the talking <laughs> but but uh it's it's fun knowing that you have you know people that have come for many years themselves or generations i have a lady from el dorado who is just a saint and she's brought i think every family member of her family uh young and old and showed them where we are and she said this is where y'all need to be this is where i've always took y'all this is where the watermelons that we've had, this is where the squash that we've put up together, the peas that we've put up together, and the tomatoes that we've put up together, this is where this come from. Y'all need to know in case, you know, I was to pass away. Now y'all know, and y'all can come. And that's that's awesome because 
every year when she shows up. She used to drive herself, now she can't, but she'll open the door. she say, I'm back. I said, well, I'm, I'm glad to see it. So it's a lot of relationships and fun that you get to see those people, and, and they like, I mean, they care. They care about us just as we care about them. They want to see you do well and have a good year and good product, good pricing, good help. And and that that makes it that all that that helps inspire to make you want to do it again when you know people are grateful and happy to see you and on top of getting the the product. We basically just uh, have local workers. They they've we've worked them for years and we have uh, a good relationship. We worked a lot. Well, we've never had to go the route of finding H-2A workers. We've been very fortunate to have local people, which is what we would like because people are a lot more, uh, they're more apt to do a better job and care more about it if they're from here because one, they got to look at you when the season's over, but two, they, you know, that's, that's part of their job. They, and, that that's a good thing. I like having the local people and knowing that you know they're up the road, or if they're sick and they're like, hey, you know, I'm I'm not going to be able to make it, but I'll send somebody. That they'll 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 look out for you, and that's that is awesome because without help with labor, we can't do what we do. And so even though it's a very labor intense, from laying the plastic to punching the holes to planting them in the hothouse to putting them in, planting them in the field. If you have to pick up sticks and load sticks and drop and drive the sticks for the crop, whether it's pepper or tomatoes, it's just always something. And, and that's hard work. And you you want to make sure those people that are doing that work for you are happy and taken care of because if, if they leave, what will you do? And we've been fortunate to have relationships with these people and and and, and keep it over the years. So one thing I've tried to do, I'm, I'm sure other farmers do as well, is, you know, I tell my my employees, hey, if you want fresh produce here, don't just take it. Tell me that what you're wanting, and that's fine. Uh, a lot of them will put up their own tomatoes. They'll uh, get some jalapenos and make their own salsa. Uh, they, they'll they get the watermelons and, and make watermelon rind uh preserves they'll make watermelon and cucumber and cantaloupe water which helps them in the sun and the heat during the day it's uh it's pretty it's pretty awesome they they've brought some and i've tried it it's actually really good and that's how they're able to stay on their feet they're drinking that natural real fruit water and and they'll mix it with water obviously to fill it all up and it it keeps them going so i i try to I try to take care of them in ways that I can. And when you when you let people have food like that, they're thankful because they, you know, and you offer it. You're, it's not like you see them taking you're like, hey, what about that? No, I willingly say, hey, if you want something, just tell me what you're getting, and that's fine. And, you know, they, the majority of them have families. They have kids and a husband and, or wives. And, you know, hey, they got to eat too. So 
it 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 benefits everybody, and especially when the watermelons come off. That's when everybody gets real hungry, <laughs> because that stuff that puts you back up on your feet. That watermelon does. Yeah, the electrolytes. Well, your workers, when they're reliable and you have them working with you year after year after year, they do become part of your family. I mean, it is, and and it's just a community that people that aren't involved in agriculture don't understand. Well, that that's that's very true. If, if you're not out in it, you don't you don't realize it and appreciate it. But it, it's you know it's like a lot of business. You got to have relationships built and and trust and and uh, strength built there. Because without your either customers or employees, whatever it may be in the business that you're in, if you don't have that and have a good one built, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to have anything. Loyalty is is key to you know repeat business and and they know you have a quality product they know that you're a solid farmer and and there's something about these relationships that anyone involved in any aspect of agriculture has to develop now talk about where we go from here uh you're laying plastic today are you behind schedule at all did the weather kind of slow you down and i know that uh you know hopefully knock on wood we will not have a late frost but uh, you'll get a good crop up to a good stand here in about another three to four weeks. Yeah, let's definitely hope that we don't get that late frost. I was uh, talking to my dad and another local farmer, and my what I call is they have little mini meetings down here on the farm. They'll drive and talk to drive up and talk together about what they think's going to happen. And with the big snow that we had, they looked back, and it was a hard, uh, a heavy late frost, and that's something that. They're definitely, you know, concerned about because, you know, when you start this farm and you've planted a while back, you don't know that snow's coming and you don't know that late frost possibly could be coming. So there you are. You have your plants coming. Better hope you have your plastic ready, which we didn't because of the snow and, and all that. Nobody was fully prepared for that whatsoever. Well, then you have a delay there and then you're thinking, well, hey, these plants are still growing. Every day they're growing. Where are you going to put them? Where, you know, if you don't have your plastic laid, and then you think, well, once I get them in the ground, you know, is this is this history lesson going to repeat itself? Are we going to have a heavy frost? It, you know, and then you got to factor in what field are you going to put it in? Because, see, like our north field right there, uh, it can withstand colder temperatures than this south field. And it's just each field could be different. The west field over there is the worst of them all few years ago we lost everything in in that corner over there because uh it got down i don't know maybe 29 or so 28 it burnt many things it it burned everything in this field the south field and some in the north not much but it i mean it burned them completely up in that west field as it was a the field uh is lower on the north end of that field and it just i mean wiped them out and the others like in the field we're talking in right now the the south field you could see frost burns on all the, the cantaloupes is what was here then on the leaves you had all kind of burn and just everything looked terrible and you gotta you know then you have to adjust what can i do to help or save this crop is there something i can do we knew there was nothing we could do with the cucumbers in the west field over there and the squash. And uh, the tomatoes in the north field were fine. They had just a little burn on the edges. But they 
they weren't hurt really at all. But what we did is we looked into some uh, really good fertilize and things that help stimulate the growth on the plant, kind of like an antibiotic to get them up on their feet. And uh, you could do that once a week with this uh, this type of deal there. You do it once a week, every week for three or four weeks, if I remember right. You know, on the same day. If it's Monday, a week from that Monday, you do it on the same day. And any plant that was here that was burnt, if it had a touch, like the end of an ink pen of green on it, I don't care if the whole thing was black, but there was a drop of green, it brought them back. Uh, another local farmer... <laughs> the guy that has the mini meetings with my dad, which they're both very knowledgeable. I, I soak up as much as I can of their knowledge. He said, "You know, I done wrote this this uh, patch over here off. I didn't. I just knew it was, you know, done." He said, but "You you showed me something this year with that." He said, "Cause that's as beautiful a squash and cantaloupes you ever want to see." And it and that's all due to that. It uh it stimulated their growth and healed them back up, and they just flourished and made a good crop too. I know for peach growers and our, our tree fruit producers, they can use heat. They can uh, get some fires going out there in the orchards, or they'll stir up some wind if you have the if you can get a good wind going overnight. And they're working all night long, you know, with these uh, wind machines to keep uh, the wind stirred up to prevent the frost. But what do you do? We've tried a few things. Uh, you can get styrofoam cups and in the plastic where you punch the hole to put the plant, if you get the right size cup, you can put it in there and kind of twist it and it'll create a slight suction and it'll protect them. But when you're talking of, you know, thousands of plants and you're using thousands of cups, we've done that. And, you know, it, it can work in ideal situations, but... If the wind picks up, then you have thousands of cups all over the <laughs> all over the place. You yeah. got another mess. Uh-huh. But a lot of times, you know, we just uh, just pray. I mean, there's not much else really yeah. to an extent you can yeah. do. I, I know a farmer uh, who I think is probably I think him and my dad are the best tomato farmers around here. My personal opinion, I'm biased on one of them. I know, sure. but I understand. Uh, and. And that's Mr. Randy Clinton. And he, he one time had some helicopters come and hover over the plants trying to, because it was down to 27, 28, somewhere in there, 25. And and he said, he said, I spent all that money for nothing. He said, that temp, he said, there ain't nothing you can do. They had, they had sprinklers out there trying, you know, uh, two inch, one inch, uh, aluminum pipes with sprinkler heads on them like people used many years ago he was doing that trying to keep them from frost sitting froze the water on them and everything it was just just a mess there's just nothing you really on a large scale of farming there's nothing you can do in the second week of june you have your pink tomato festival it's a celebration of the harvest down here in bradley county i know that's a big big deal for your family and many others uh Let's just wrap up our conversation talking about uh, kind of looking three months down the road. Warren, Arkansas, like triples or quadruples in size on that one weekend in June. Definitely people come from all over. They uh, kind of like other things that we've talked about. They've come to the festival with their family member or uh, it's a tradition. There's a lot of people that come in 
like a family reunion to see their people or friends, whatever, uh, every year. And then they want to get, you know, they want to get tomatoes while they're here. That's, sure. I mean, that seeing everybody's one thing, but you know, that, that's what you, that's what you want to do. It's kind of like going to New Orleans. You want to get some crawfish. I mean, that's, you know, that's what you're doing. And they, like last year, there wasn't very many people that had ripe tomatoes at, at the festival because the season was uh, late. This year would be late. And there there was just a handful of people that had tomatoes. And let me tell you something. You got a bunch of people that drove in from a lot of places, and they're looking for they're looking for their tomatoes. Right. Hey, you. It can be sure. challenging because uh, when you go to telling people they can't have what they want or what they've been th- looking forward to for months or since the last year, whew, it could it could be very challenging at times. Well, COVID kind of threw a monkey wrench into everything statewide last year, but let's hope that uh, we're on the backside of this pandemic and, uh, you know, the restrictions will be relaxed. And come June, you'll be able to have a festival again. Let's hope, because not only is it fun and everybody looks forward to it uh, locally and abroad, but it's definitely a boost for the local economy also. You have local people doing arts and crafts and things and... And local businesses will all be affected. You know, if you got more people here, you're selling more food, more more fuel, more tax dollars helping the county, and lots of uh, positive things that help economically and and developmental there too. Because there's people that'll come here and are like, "Hey, I'd like to have, I might could try business here or something like that." And we everybody needs growth in their area, especially these rural, small southeast Arkansas towns. There's no question about it. Steele, I think, uh, and you mentioned, I don't remember if we hit on this at the very beginning of our conversation today, but uh, your family was recognized as a Bradley County Farm Family of the Year just a few short years ago, uh, and well-deserved, I'm sure, too, uh, for what you've done through the generations. Uh, and, and what did that recognition mean to you and your dad? Well, it was, and I didn't know this at the time, but when that happened, some of the people from down here in Marsden, which is a very, very small community, as you can see in the middle of nowhere, some of the older residents said, you know, nobody from Marsden has ever got the farm family, and which used to be a bigger farmer community years ago. So that was interesting for me that, you know, we were fortunate enough to, to get that and, you know, just... I, I saved a paper from that, and then the paper when we had we had the first box that year too, which was something that doesn't happen that often. I ain't gonna say we're we're a rarity, but it was neat because you know we had those pictures there and the stories with it, and I I, t- I kept a copy of both multiple copies of each paper, but I took one of each and framed it up. I had some a friend of mine frame it up for my dad where he can hang it in his house and uh, just uh. Just a very, very cool thing to have. Well, very well deserved. Farm families like you, we uh, at Farm Bureau enjoy recognizing our outstanding farm families all across this state. Steele, thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time today to share your story. And we'll be thinking about you and your family uh, over these next couple of months and uh, and, and look forward to seeing the, the fruit of your labor here. Glad to be here and glad, glad for the, the opportunity to visit and talk. Been visiting with Steele Hamilton of Hamilton 
family farms outside of Hermitage, which is south of Warren in Bradley County down here on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Next up, Keith Sutton talks to Arkansas State University Associate Professor of Animal Science, Dr. David Newman, who explains how the university will use the $500,000 grant it received from the State Department of Agriculture to make improvements to its meats lab for meat processing and training in food safety and processing. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. And today, once again, my guest is Dr. David Newman, Dr. Newman is Associate Professor of Animal Science at Arkansas State University in Jonesboro, and he's also the President of the National Pork Board. Welcome back to AgCast, Dr. Newman. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, uh, a lot of good things going on. Uh, I know uh, back earlier this year, uh, right after the first of the year, uh, the College of Agriculture at ASU received a half a million dollar grant from the State Department of Agriculture that will be used to uh, to help expand uh, livestock research at the university. And we wanted to tell folks a little bit about that. It's been a couple of months since y'all announced that, and I thought maybe we could tell folks uh, how that grant money will be used and uh, kind of where things stand right now. Yes, sir. Well, thank you. I, uh, you know, we were we were very fortunate to be able to receive this funding, which was actually part of uh, some federal funding that was made available to improve infrastructure and processing capabilities as a result of what we saw go on during COVID nineteen, and. You, you, your listeners and you are probably well aware that there was a pretty serious disruption in the processing business, and we also have identified that there's a, a pretty big kink in the chain, if you will, uh, for small and medium-sized processors. So there were some dollars distributed there to, to aid in uh, some infrastructure improvement, and we were we were fortunate to apply and receive a half million dollars, as you pointed out, for our laboratory that we have here on campus at Arkansas State in Jonesboro. And what we're going to use that money for is we have a fully functioning meats facility here that uh, where we process red meat, so uh, beef, hogs, lamb, uh, goats, those type of things. Uh, part of the grant is to become federally inspected through USDA Food Safety Inspection Service, and so we are going to renovate our existing laboratory for teaching and research, and we're also going to continue processing and be able to train students and train other individuals on food safety HACCP programs, which is, which is hazard analysis, critical control points, uh, proper processing techniques, humane handling, humane slaughter, uh, a variety of different things using modern up-to-date equipment. So so we're pretty excited about these funds uh, being made available, and we're going to put them to, to their best use. I know uh, that's a pretty big deal because, if I remember right, the existing facilities there dated back all the way to back when I was in college in the 1970s, and you all are going to be able to make some substantial improvements on those facilities. Yeah, that's right. So what we're going to do is, is our facility does have some, our existing facility does have some age on it, and 
we uh it's still a very functional facility uh but but it does have some age and needs some updates now we're not going to be able to do a full on renovation of the entire thing um you know more than likely in the future Keith, the best thing to do is is to possibly incorporate that meats complex into our farming complex off campus but but for what we have now and what we're what we're working within, we're going to be able to give that thing a facelift and put in some really nice state of the art equipment that we can train students on so that they can, you know, better understand how the meat and livestock business works. So once you get some of that completed, I believe the uh, press release that was sent out said that a state's going to pursue a full USDA inspection approval for its processing area. So does that mean you'll actually be able to be processing meat right there on campus? We will be processing meat on campus that is USDA federally inspected. Yes. So we'll be able to, to process, um, you know, the, the based on our HACCP plan, for example, beef or pork or lamb or, or or other species that we have in our plan, and we'll be able to process them, further process them, and sell and distribute those products as well if we want to. So we will be federally inspected. Pretty exciting. So I imagine you've also been keeping an eye on what's going on at the legislature here the last couple of weeks and uh, how they're trying to uh, uh, get money from the general fund to fund some positions for the state. Uh, will that have a big effect on what y'all are trying to do there? Uh, I can't speak to that, or, or maybe it's not my position to speak to that, but certainly in what we're doing uh, in, our, in, in my area of expertise um, in meat processing and animal production, you know, Having staffing available for the processing, for example, for the training that we're going to do is a critical piece of what we're doing. And as we see expansion in Arkansas, uh, you know, for example, look at the poultry expansion over here in northeast Arkansas. It's it's pretty amazing over the last five to six years what's been done here. Uh, getting the staff to assist in the training that we need to get really good functional uh, students train and get them out into the workforce and who understand and can really contribute to what we're doing. That's a critical component of what we do in higher education. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that that works to our favor and that we can also prove the relevance of those things. Uh, you know, it's not my position to to, uh, to uh, lobby for those type of things, certainly, but uh, any support that we get to help aid these young people in training that is required in areas that there are great jobs available is important to me. And so there really are going to be probably more and more jobs available in this field, it seems like. We're seeing uh, uh, a big growth, of, particularly in the last year or so during the pandemic, of folks wanting access to uh, locally grown meat. Sure, and we, you know, we we've seen a big push for that over, well, the last decade, to be honest, um, in locally grown or locally processed. But there is also just just to be fair, a tremendous shortage of processing. 
Um, right. There's a shortage of small processors or medium-sized processors throughout the United States. And so um, that is an opportunity for jobs. It's an opportunity for entrepreneurship. Uh, but additionally, the training that we could have to send students into the career field for even large corporations based here in Arkansas or larger businesses, um, our students that come out with work experience, so uh, they've done internships, they have hands-on training, they've been trained in the area of food safety or HACCP or processing, and they have a good understanding of what they do, those students are able to enter you know, at a higher pay grade, they're able because of their years, you know, their experience anyways, um, you know, they're well-trained. And so that's going to be beneficial. That's very good. That's all good news, I know. I want to give you an opportunity as well to switch hats a minute. Uh, you're president of the National Port Board. And I know uh, you were just at uh, a big meeting recently. Uh, what kind of updates could you give us on what's going on with the pork industry? Well, it's been a, a really busy year um, in the in the pork industry and the and the whole industry. I mean, let's be honest, the whole world has been shook up, and the the pork industry saw some of its darkest days, you know, ever in history uh, during early 2020. So. We had uh, we had our our hands full at the National Pork Board uh, recently. Last week, as a matter of fact, we had our National Pork Industry Forum, which is our official business meeting uh, that we conduct every year, where we elect new officers. We we update our producers. Uh, I represent about sixty six thousand producers in the country. Uh, we go through budget issues. We look at resolutions and advisements. So. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to be in person in Louisville as planned uh, because of COVID-19 and restrictions, but we uh, we pulled off a very successful virtual pork forum, and we got our business conducted, and we're looking forward to some better days in 2021 for sure. Well, certainly all of us are hoping for those better days uh, for, for you and for everybody, and uh, we... Uh, uh, appreciate what you do to represent Arkansas and the ag industry uh, in that capacity. Well, it's it's a pleasure, honestly. I say this routinely, but but being in in leadership roles, for example, my role at National Pork Board or even my role at, at Arkansas State is kind of unique as a, as a farmer. Um, I tell people this all the time, but I say. This is industry and these organizations have given me far more than I've given them, and that's why we encourage young people and and people who want to be involved in their industry to get involved. And so it's been a pleasure and an honor to represent, you know, Arkansas Ag. It's been a, a pleasure to uh, work with the individuals that I get to work with every day, and and I'm very optimistic about the future of agriculture in this country. We. Uh, we routinely tell our students that when you're in the in the job field of feeding people, you've got pretty good job security. That's a good uh, a good motto to remember uh, for those uh, students and for all of us. Well, uh, we appreciate you again, Dr. Newman, for taking time out of an extremely busy schedule to give us some updates and share the information about the grant. And uh, we wish you a, a good year as you get on into the year further. 
and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again in the near future. Yes, sir. It'll be my pleasure to join you uh, soon uh, to give updates as things progress. So thank you for the time. Thank you very much. Finally, Keith gets this week's update on activity at the state capitol from Arkansas Farm Bureau State Affairs Director Jeff Pitchford, who provides the latest news on Arkansas Farm Bureau's priority legislative issues. Welcome to AgCast. This is Keith Sutton at Arkansas Farm Bureau, and today I'm visiting again with Jeff Pitchford, who's Director of Public Affairs and Government Relations here. Welcome to AgCast again, Jeff. Glad to be back, Keith. Thanks for having well, me. I know uh, I had another busy week down at the state capitol, and we want to update everybody on what's happening down there, so let's just jump right in the middle of it. Well, uh, I think uh, if this was a football game, I think we've started the fourth quarter. And uh, here we are the second week of March. And I think we're starting to see uh, in a typical session when they start to uh, get serious. You're hearing a lot of them, uh, a little bit of fatigue is setting in. This is the third month now that they've been driving to Little Rock from their homes across the state of Arkansas every Monday or Sunday night and and not getting back till Friday or Saturday to their to their home and families and everything. So it's starting to wear on them a little bit. And I, we know this by they're starting to have hearings on some of the tax issues and tax cuts, and that's usually when they're trying to figure out the budget process as far as the final version of it and where we're going with that. And they're also talking about the constitutional amendments. There's over 40 uh, bills that have been filed that would be constitutional amendments, and usually that's a sign of when they start to discuss those that they're getting toward the end of the session because that's one of the things that happens at the end. So we're here in the fourth quarter, and so we better start uh, figuring out how to score some touchdowns. And so <laughs> this this week uh, the Department of Agriculture's bill is in personnel committee. It will actually be Tuesday morning, and uh, this is for the eight new positions that are needed to implement the state meat inspection program that we've been pushing. That's in a separate bill, and that bill has uh, been been amended, um, but is uh, is uh, on its way back to the House and, and uh, to look at the amendment there. Um, or, excuse me, it's still in the Senate. Get that wrong. Still in the Senate being amended, but we feel like it's going to make its way back to the House and approved. But... We also need the funding, and we need the positions in the department. And so here are our final steps with that, the meat bill and then the uh, Department of Agriculture's personnel section for those positions. And then we need everyone to continue, and we'll be asking people to talk to their legislators. We need fully full funding of this program, about $750,000 uh, to get it up and running. And, and to have a, a chance to have this a, a great program for the state of Arkansas and consumers across the, the state. So that's where we are with that. The plant board bill that we've been talking about, uh, that bill was amended, and it's uh, made it out of the Senate and back into the House for them to concur. So that probably be on the agenda on Wednesday in House Ag Committee. And so um, that's uh, to, has to agree with what the Senate did. Big changes to it, um, and we'll probably have, that's a, probably a separate podcast in of itself. But uh, and we'll go over that as, as, at some point in time, so everyone understands the changes happened there. But Farm Bureau does support it, and and it does meet with our uh, policy. 
On on the good notes, uh, scoring a touchdown is the bills that we uh, worked with Representative Mary Bentley and Senator Gary Stubblefield on that that dealt with levies. Three of those four bills have made it to the governor's office. They're really kind of technical bills, uh, but they will, I think, help the process as we go forward with when folks dealing with their levy districts and what the levy districts are going to be able to do. And that should help them uh, be a little bit more financially uh, solvent and make them uh, better able to provide maintenance and, and upkeep of these levies across the state of Arkansas. So some of those are acts. There's one less left there that's making it back through the process. There was a technical error and it got amended in the Senate. And when a bill is amended on, when a bill, say a House bill, gets out and goes to the Senate and they change something, the House has to, it has to go back to the House and be approved and vice versa. So that's kind of how that process works. So if you amend a House bill in the Senate, the House gets to say, no, we want to look at it again to make sure it's it's okay. So I guess those are some of the highlights this week. Again, the meat bill, the state meat inspection bill, and the funding and the personnel and the plant board, those are two that are that are going for sure. Um, but uh, we we got to Keith, we got to focus and get down to our knitting and make sure we we um, start buttoning up everything because uh, we're kind of in the in the home stretch. Well, it's always exciting when you make a touchdown, but like I said, <laughs> we're still in the fourth quarter. We got a regular game to play, right? That's right. Yes, yeah. so we right now they've. They've set a resolution to uh, to adjourn on April the ninth, and I think that's probably a safe safe bet. I don't see them going before then, but uh, usually the last week uh, is uh, passing all the final budget bills and everything like that. So uh, all the hard work is going to happen here in the next two to three weeks to get it to that situation and get it to that point. So. Well, we know you're super busy right now with everything going on down there. We're very appreciative. You take time to update us each week so all our listeners will know where things are standing. And uh, I'm sure we're going to win this game. We just got to get down to the final few minutes. That's right. You got it, Keith. All right, Jeff. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having us. That's a wrap for this week's Arkansas AgCast. Come back next Thursday for more news and views on Arkansas agriculture. 